Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is Dr. Simon. The show is The Stories We Live By. And I would like to spend the next half hour uh, discussing the last three sessions that I had, broadcasts that I had with Dr. Grace Jackson, uh, who is a good friend of mine and um, one of the more brilliant and honest people that I've had the pleasure of knowing and having a relationship. Hello, Marion. How are you? Um, and if anybody would like to call in, uh, they could stay with me on the air. Uh, I, I think that would be nice. But I wanted to discuss uh, uh, the scourge of psychiatry. Now, when I say the scourge of psychiatry, um, I mean clinical psychology, clinical social work, and everything else uh, in, in the field of mental health, uh, in the industry that we call mental health. And sadly, it has become uh, a mass marketing industry to that, that apes psychiatry, that takes the worst things about psychiatry and that goes along with them. And, of course, the, um, the heart of that is this idea that all pain is bad, that psychological pain, that suffering is sadness, uh, that it's a disorder, that's mental illness, and therefore it needs to be treated. And I want to discuss the consequences of that, uh, particularly around the issue, let's say, of depression. I could pick almost any kind of diagnosis, but depression, the common cold of psychiatry, uh, and one that, that uh, apparently uh, lots of people are convinced that they have rather than that they're living through, um, th this, this uh, will provide a focus for why this specific so-called diagnosis, which I see as the essence of life, the, uh, the essence of, 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 of suffering as a human being, uh, this human expression uh, that I think only human beings can show, although maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, this, this is all obliterated by psychiatry and its hangers-on. Right. And um, what, what helped me focus this discuss, my discussion and my feelings last week was Grace uh, uh, really um, adds the, the physiological dimension. In effect, not only does the story that psychiatry tells, and again, when I say that, I mean all the clin so-called clinical fields, that not only does uh, the story that this, this this mental health field now tell uh, if you're depressed, uh, which is living out a story that needs to be changed. I mean, I don't know, never met anybody who says, gee, I'm glad to be depressed. Well, no, that's not true. I once met a young man at a conference who had been profoundly depressed. He went on psychiatric drugs, uh, went off the drugs, and was happy to be depressed because, as he put it, while I was on those drugs, I was no longer really human. I was like some kind of a robot. I was like a machine. Um, and so uh, under those circumstances, I can imagine you could say, oh, well, if I'm alive, I'm depressed, and I, therefore it's proof I'm alive. I'm still a human being. Because if I can't feel pain, I, then I wonder what I really am. I mean, my automobile, I don't think, feels pain. If I run my automobile into a wall, uh, I don't think it feels pain. Uh, it gets all kinds of damage. And I may throw it away, and there it is, sitting alone in a junkyard. But I don't think my automobile uh, 
uh, as fine a machine as it might be, uh, is anything that's human. So uh, what Grace added to the discussion is the fact that there's so much neurological damage that's taking place from these drugs that in addition to the the psychological damage of adopting the story of psychiatry, uh, it may be that you're becoming capable of becoming human once again, that you're hollowed out not only on a psychological level, but that you're hollowed out on a physiological level. Well, it's not my thing to talk about the physiological. What I want to talk about is the psychological. And in this show, and maybe the next, um, talk about alternatives to psychiatry, because I think there are good alternatives to psychiatry. Uh, occasionally, I think you could still meet a psychotherapist who might even be a psychiatrist. Uh, some of the best psychiatrists, some of the best therapists I knew when I was in graduate school, uh, one of whom I convinced saved my brother's life, was a psychiatrist who was a psychoanalyst uh, and a deep humanist. And uh, when my brother had a very serious psychological episode called a breakdown, I, and by the way, uh, I, I don't use the word breakdown. I think that people who really go into deep depression or become uh, mad, psychotic, are looking to escape. I call that uh, an attempting a breakout. And I think these are breakouts of life's most difficult situations for that individual. And with the right help, and my brother was given that help by a psychiatrist, uh, he had a breakthrough. So the breakdown was seen as a breakout, and the breakout became a true breakthrough. And I don't believe that that's uh, much around anymore. But there are ways of doing it. But I want to discuss today the, the deadening fact of the story, and that is that this idea that psychiatry teaches is that if you're in psychological pain, if you're depressed, this is bad. You're in a disorder. There's something wrong with you. The fact of the matter is, I don't think we can be human without psychological pain. Okay. Now, I'm sure that uh, if there are 50 people listening, and I know they're not, 49 will hang up at the idea uh, that pain could be good. The fact is that much of life is pain, no matter how we try to hide it, no matter how we try to turn our life into uh, a circle, a circus, no matter how many drugs we take, whether we take drugs uh, that are bought on the street that are illegal, or we go to Dr. Feelgood and Dr. Pillpusher uh, and are doped up, um, no matter how many moronic television shows we watch, no matter how much we try to trivialize life and pretend that there is nothing important, uh, we deep down know that things are important. And that the struggle against things like, for example, against evil, the struggle against injustice, and you just have to read the newspaper and look at your own life uh, and realize how much of life is unjust. Uh, we start asking, why me, by the time we're five years old? Why me? Uh, and look for answers about why it's me. And then it's not fair. My children all started it's not fair by the time they were three. And you know what? It wasn't fair. Uh, they didn't get an equal vote because they were children. And while my wife and I, I think she was better at it than I was at times, gave them voice and allowed them to hear, uh, uh, that know that somebody heard their complaints, 
The fact of the matter is, if I said bedtime, or you can't have ice cream, or you're going to go do your homework, uh, it's unfair from their point of view, and maybe it is unfair. But so much of life is unfair. And so, uh, since we need power, we need a sense of purpose in life, uh, the pain of struggling against injustice events really bad people who are very often the ones who in our lives or in our lives publicly, the politicians, uh, most of whom I despise more and more as time goes by, uh, those individuals who keep saying how much their lives are for me and for you, and it all seems to end up that uh, what their efforts are are for themselves, um, are unable to share any kind of feeling. I, by the way, I have to say, I mean, when George Bush said, He's going to give up golf uh, to share the suffering of, of the uh, people in war, in wartime. Um, I almost puked. I really almost puked at that moment. Uh, really? Giving up golf? That, now, there, there is an individual who, if he means it, has been hollowed out. Is really golf the same thing as going to war, not playing golf? Uh, all of the goals that make life worthwhile, a good education, uh, good relationships, involve struggle. And struggle is, always involves pain. And the fact that sometimes we lack the ability to reach our goals or that there is competition, uh, fair and unfair, that blocks us from our goals, all of these things cause pain. I, uh, I must have been five years old the first time I heard the expression, uh, from a rabbi that life is a veil of tears. I wish it wasn't, but then again, maybe I don't wish it wasn't. Maybe it's the struggle against that pain, against injustice, uh, to reach our goals that gives life its <clears throat> necessary feeling of purpose. It's necessary uh, struggle to make us good people that makes life noble and makes life worthwhile. Now, I'm certainly not advising that we all go out this evening bang our head against the wall, whip ourselves, and deprive ourselves of the things that give us pleasure, because that would make no sense whatsoever. But the fact is that offline life is unfair, and, and we come into the world helpless, and oftentimes, and I wish this wasn't so, but it is so, oftentimes the people who are supposed to love us, take care of us, teach us, are our worst enemies. They may know it, they may not know it, but the fact of the matter is, Sometimes the people who make us hate ourselves, the people who teach us that we're no good, uh, the people who should make us feel loved, make us feel lonely, uh, and, 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 and abuse us in such ways as that we're convinced that we're helpless and that we become filled with despair, all of which is depression. See, it's not a disorder. It's a collection of attitudes and feelings. And the struggle against the depression is overcoming that loneliness, overcoming self-hatred, overcoming rage, hopelessness, and despair. So, so pain is not necessarily bad. It defines us as human beings. The second part of my, my distaste for the story of, of so much of psychology and psychiatry is that when you sit down and told you have a disorder, you're told you're alone. The problem is not between you and yourself, between you and your family, between you and your society. It's inside you. And if 
it's, it's inside you, and it's due to genes, and it's due to neurological defects, you're alone. It tells you you are alone. And I am convinced, I'm convinced from my own life and from what I see, that the solution to so much depression is for individuals to say, I feel alone. I hate myself. Nobody will love me. Nobody cares. And then find ways to go out and disprove that belief. Not to say, gee, it's all true. The best thing for me to do is to give up hope, take drugs, become dependent on a therapist, and pay him endless amounts of money for the rest of my damn life so that he can enjoy his life. And although, by the way, I could tell you as a therapist who used to see the world through the psychiatric story, who lived the psychiatric story for, for the early years of my career, and then caused myself all kinds of pain by fighting against it, you see. But it's so easy to participate. And when you participate in it, something is wrong. Because when you don't see people struggle, when you don't help people struggle, when you don't provide a relationship for somebody that lets them, not tells them, but lets them experience that they're valuable, that they're worthwhile, that as a human being, they are unique, they're important, that they're capable of creativity and hence creating some kind of a life that for them will be purposeful, if not fun, if not enjoyable, then you hate your job and you hate the people you work with. And I can tell you, as an insider, that most of the people that I knew, the psychiatrists leading the way, hated themselves, hated their jobs, hated everything about what they were doing, particularly by the time the late 80s and 90s occurred, and all of that uh, drug, 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 genetics, genetics, genetics became the issue. Uh, we would sit at lunch with my colleagues, some of whom were wonderful people, but didn't lack did lack the courage to join with me uh, and fight against a system that was wrong, intellectually wrong, scientifically wrong, and morally wrong. Because I do believe that the story that you are alone and all pain is bad and you shouldn't feel pain and you shouldn't struggle and you should just give up and, and kind of live a, a, a zombie's life is morally wrong. Um, it becomes hopeless for you. Your profession empties out. Your feeling uh, of your own struggle as a human being, because nobody rises above the status of being a human being. You're nothing but a human being with other human beings. And if you can't join with the individuals that you live with in common struggle, then it's all over. It really is all over. And the only reason I continued teaching beyond a certain point, and I continued doing therapy, was that I really began to fight against the inherent story uh, of students as well. Uh, students are con told constantly, uh, I'll do this for you. You're not really smart enough to do this. This course is not too hard. It's, it's too hard for you. Don't take this course. Take the easy course. The idea that you should have somebody demand on the one hand that you live up to the highest standards possible, and on the other hand, fight like hell to support you in your struggle, to, 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 to teach you what it is you need to know, particularly through demonstration, particularly because you see that individual live the life that they want you to live. 
Of course, that's why parents are so damn important. When a parent takes drugs and drinks and sits around depressed and moaning and groaning, it's damaging to the child because the child says, that's my, what life is. That's what I'm supposed to do. That person, through the modeling of their behavior, becomes the teacher. Okay. So how do, how do I, on a radio show, convince you of this for those who hear this? I'm convinced that the last place you should go for help is a psychiatrist. And the second last place is a social worker or is a psychologist, unless you can talk to one of these people and say to them, I am struggling to make a life. Can you help me without labeling me? Do you believe that, that I as a human being can be helped by you? Uh, can you help me make the world more just for myself? And, of course, the first line is, can I make the world just for others? Uh, do something for somebody else. Take care of somebody else. Take care of a child. Uh, work in a hospital. Do something to overcome the lethargy that the world is a place that's totally mean and unfair by being fair and being kind. And demand that the therapist demand it. Otherwise, uh, if they're not going to be fair and kind and provide you a story that helps you rework the story that got you into the position of depression in the first place, that you're nothing but a worthless piece of crap uh, and hopeless and helpless and life can't be changed except to adapt to it. Uh, there's, there's no fight worth fighting, uh, and, and this person can't help you. And get the hell out. Uh, go to some kind of a group, uh, uh, volunteer in a hospital. I always tell people, if you can, go back to school, again, with all the bullshit about school. And there are places now that, that are, I see sometimes where, where it's the lame leading the blind. So many of the teachers that I worked with demanded nothing of their students. They had pity for their students. I, particularly, I worked in a, a community college where many of the students were poor and downtrodden and ignorant as hell. And my belief was, so if they don't know enough to learn the curriculum in a psychology class, then I have to find out what they know and start where they are. And I don't give a damn if it's called college or not. I have to start where they are. I have to join with them. And if I can't do that, then there's no point in being in the classroom. And let me tell you, I was attacked all the time for not living up to standards. Well, uh, I wanted to see standards from them, but I wanted them to set their own standards. Uh, I used to let my students grade their own papers and the papers of other students. I used to let them give themselves grades. Of course, I would tell them what I thought their course was worth. I would tell them, you deserve an F. Now, what do you want to give yourself? And kids would give themselves they would say, I want to get an A. I said, okay, put it down, then live with it. I don't give a shit that the rest of society would tell me, oh, I'm lowering the standards. I want that kid to have a conscience that bothered him. It said, I didn't earn it. And do you know, after students knew me and they understood where I was about, because uh, most of the faculty didn't understand what the hell I was talking about or why I was doing this, I had students who would beg me to give them a grade because they didn't want to take the responsibility of grading themselves. I had students who say, you know, you're right. I don't want an F, but I'm certainly going to give myself no more than a C because I really don't deserve a C. And at that moment, they weren't depressed. They were alive. 
because they were in a position to say, you know what, I haven't learned. And if I haven't learned what I needed to know, then it's probably because I wasn't taught properly. And that was the case. But it was also the case that I have to take responsibility, no matter what my other teachers did or what my bad teachers did, because I didn't learn, I never made the effort, I didn't know until now what it is to have a goal that says, I grow, I become more than I am. I don't know if this becomes clear. I guess you call this existentialism as a philosophy, humanism as a philosophy. But I see nothing in psychiatry at the present time with this diagnostic and statistical manual of mental health that justifies the existence of psychiatry, clinical psychology. And as I discussed with Dr. Grace Jackson, when I was, the last year and a half that I taught, it was in a program that had a graduate program. And it was all the DSM and the textbooks filled with lies about how we now know the genetic and the biological underpinnings of serious mental disorders such as depression and what's called schizophrenia. Now, schizophrenia is an individual's breakout from an untenable life situation that doesn't get them anywhere. It's an individual who's broken out but has not been helped to break through to a, to a more realistic life, to a life that's filled with love and creativity which, as I've always been saying, is the only kind of life I know worth living. So, anybody want to call in, have a little discussion? I have eight minutes. I sort of have finished my topic. I wanted to say what I want to say. Uh, at this point, I don't think anybody should go to a psychiatrist unless they could find a person. Uh, and that means uh, that a person that will help them set real goals, that will not say to them, you're disordered or you're sick, that will not say to them, uh, you have a disorder of the brain when in fact there are no tests whatsoever to demonstrate and no test that that person knows what to do or to order that would demonstrate a genetic or a biochemical uh, disorder of the brain. But will instead join with them uh, in helping, uh, uh, I wrote a line for myself, fight fairly in fair fights. Most of the time when we're children, the fights we fight are not fair. When you fight against teachers, when you fight against parents, uh, you, you, it's hard to fight. Uh, it's not a fair fight. So we don't learn to fight fair because uh, we don't know how. We become desperate. We turn into ourselves. We turn out from ourselves. Uh, we turn to drugs. We go into rebellion. We do what we think is necessary, but instead of our breakout, uh, being uh, uh, effective, it becomes uh, uh, just another dead end in which we're, fine. We, we, we're alienated from ourselves and we're miserable. Uh, what we need is to break through, to transform. And I wouldn't be wasting my time doing the show or teaching. In fact, I think I'm going to go back to teaching. I've been off now for two years and... I'm starting to feel that uh, another card game and, an, and another, well, I, I love tennis, but my knees are not particularly good. I'm not sure I'm going to be playing tennis, even if I do, it won't be much. Uh, and I'm starting to miss the classroom, uh, even though it was a terrible struggle in the last years I taught, because I was pretty burned out. Uh, I had no support on the faculty 
uh, in my department. Uh, it was interesting. The best teachers I had knew in the in the college I worked in were in the English department, uh, who had good stories because they read good stories. Uh, they read the great novels. They had a sense of narrative and a sense of struggle uh, for their students. Although some of them sort of turned into social workers and, oh, we shouldn't. They're these poor children. They have been abused, which they had been, and they're impoverished, which they were, and they're unprepared. Uh, we mustn't set standards. No, we must set standards. We must start where they are, but we must struggle with them. And I found that uh, the struggle became, uh, for me, a kind of overwhelming thing. Uh, it was time for me to leave. Uh, I had 40 years in as a teacher, which is nice long time but if the two years of being outside the classroom uh, I certainly don't think about practice anymore that field is as far as I could see dead uh, the pay is lousy uh, no clinic would have me I mean it's all all drugs 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 the psychotherapists are nothing more uh, than individuals who see to it that people take their drugs uh, it's called case management uh, uh, not even therapy anymore. It's not even anything I recognize that I would do or I would last five minutes if anybody looked at my books, my resume, or heard one of these shows. Uh, so I, I don't intend to, uh, to, to go back as a therapist. That, that is out. Uh, if I help anybody over the air like this, boy, am I glad, and I'm, I'm delighted to do that. This gives me purpose and keeps me from being more depressed <laughs> on any given day than I can already be because I start to feel things are kind of trivial and that uh, as old age creeps up on me, uh, I can feel overwhelmed by, the, by the, the changes that I see taking place, particularly physically in me, uh, that I have to learn to live with because they're not going to really be overcome. So I am looking to go back into a classroom, college classroom, a community college, I think even more than a uh, four-year school. That's where I did my work and uh, where I, I think I became a pretty good teacher and psychologist. And I think that's it. So, Marion, you want to call in, say, ask a question, have a discussion? Got a couple minutes left. I, I, I think you're a friend at this point, Marion. I love to see you uh, that you're on with me and uh, enjoying yourself. And by the way, you or anybody else, give the show a five rating if you like it. It brings more people to the show. I recognize now that any show that gets a five rating uh, becomes uh, listened to by more people. And that does give me uh, a nice feeling. So uh, next week, I don't think I'm going to be on the air. Um, two weeks, I won't be on the air. Maybe next week, too. I'm going to be going up to New York to see my children and grandchildren for a while. And um, I look forward to that. Uh, we're going to go up in early June and then late in July again because my kids are in all kinds. My grandkids are in shows. I have a, a grandson who's going to be in a swimming meet. And uh, being down here in paradise, uh, I miss certain things, among them being part of uh, their growth because uh, they have not yet learned that the world is a shitty place. Uh, they're all struggling nice and hard to be better ice skaters and students and boys and girls. And that, that, that gives me hope when I see that. Um, of course, when you're only with older people. The other thing is I'd like to, I love June. I'm sorry I'm not up this weekend. I always loved Memorial Day weekend here. Um, it meant that the academic year was coming to an end. Summers were always easier, uh, always easier. 
and um, uh, I enjoyed the summers, but, but it meant late spring, and uh, in New York on Long Island, late spring was a gorgeous, gorgeous time. I mean, it was, to me, the nicest time of the year. The days were longer. Down here, nothing ever changes. We go from hot to hotter, <laughs> from less humid to more humid. And while that's a really great way to live through a winter, um, I miss that, that, that part of the season. I miss, the, 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 for me, Labor Day, the demarcation between uh, winter and, and, and summer. Okay, boys and girls uh, of all ages, take care of yourself. I'll try to be on next week. I don't promise. I won't be on in two weeks. And uh, this is Dr. Simon, and I hope you find a really good story to live by. Take care.